one. So, um, yeah, man, it's kind of been like that every single day. I, I kind of, um, kind of mixed about it. A, I can't cut the grass, you know, so it's going to grow. But B, with that rain, at least it's cloudy and it cools it off, man, because when there's no clouds, it's brutal, you know? I'm just glad I, I was able to walk the dog this morning and not get poured on. It was yeah. the first day. <laughs> I'm telling you, the last three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you know, I'm walking the dog. It's before sunrise, and I'm like, all right, let me let me give it a shot because if I don't walk her, she's going to be going insane all day. It's going to be a while. Yeah. Oh and, God. you know, I'm like, it's it's not night. really pouring. Yeah. And then, boom, it just it, it got us every time. And then she smelled bad, and then I had to leave her in the house, and then I had to change, and I was late for work. But, hey, this morning – Got it done. Maybe it's a sign we're going to have a good weekend. What in your mind, realistically, objectively, is uh, you, you come out of tonight's preseason finale. It's at the Caesar Superdome, Saints Chargers. You come out of it and you say, you know what? It was. It's a good sign for the season. That's a good. That was what you would want in a final preseason game. Aside from the obvious, you know, no injuries. We all know that. Well, that, that's, that's literally where I was going first, to be honest with you. And and I think it's because this week alone you had practices where you didn't have, you know, three of your five starters. You saw Marshawn Lattimore sit, you know, you, you're still waiting to see what the status of Jameis is, you know. And, and it's, it's, I wouldn't say conflicting, but it's just, you know, he, he is scrambling on Tuesday. People say he looks the best he's looked in camp. Uh, on some of those days and practices, but you know, it's like there's always that that guy around town that knows somebody who knows somebody who's a doctor that's seen him, or you know, is going to play doctor judging uh, on how he walks. He still doesn't look healthy to me, or you know, and all this other stuff. So, I legitimately, I think, honestly, for me, it's get out of there without suffering any more injuries to your depth, Scott, because I think Dennis Allen is smart enough. Uh, and I mean that in terms of like understanding, look, you want to get your guys in. And um, I think a lot of times, sometimes people confuse his non Sean like demeanor as you know, somebody that's not into, I don't know, like toughness or whatever. And that's completely the opposite. He, he wants you to go hit and tackle and play football and, and do those things at the same time. He realizes he's got a very good team and it's a long season. Um, and the key is to, to get off early. I mean, we were talking a lot this week on our show, and I think I even brought it up with you when you joined us Wednesday that, you know, you want to make a statement. You want to be a playoff team. You want to show you one of the teams in the NFC that can contend this year. Um, your first three games, they're against division opponents. You can go up 3-0. You can get a game on them. You know them. There's no, you know, figuring out who you're playing. I mean, look, when you're playing – the, you know, the the teams that you are this year in the AFC and the teams in division, you maybe don't see in the NFC, but especially in the AFC, that's going to be hard, right? You don't kind of know who they are and things of that nature. But when you look at it, those three teams, you know them. And whether it's new additions and things of that nature, you still kind of know who they are, especially those coaches are still back. You have an idea. That's your shot, man. You, you want to, you know, take advantage of that. And the way to not take advantage of that is to walk in there banged up in the Mercedes, you know, stadium. And that is something that I, I think you have to focus on today. I would have loved, I think, if Michael Thomas doesn't hurt his hamstring 
and Jameis doesn't sprain his foot in camp, I think you are seeing full offensive starters ready to go. You may still see it, to be honest with you. I think as a play caller, you can probably help that out. Look, I know for a fact last night, several, if not most, of the Saints and Chargers coaches had dinner at a local restaurant here. And, you know, I'm sure maybe that is discussed. It's discussed preseason games, discussed joint workouts are discussed. You know, I wouldn't put it past, you know, um, Dennis Allen saying, look, I'd like to get Jameis a little work. Please don't blitz for 10 plays. Here's the 10 plays we're doing. You know, feel free to... So you you think you think that you think that that actually went down? You think that's a possibility? Well, I I don't know if it went down, but it would make sense. You know, I mean, I again, I I don't think it's a situation where if I was the opposing coach and I know players coming back from the season ending and I understand what they're trying to do. The guy's not my division. He's not, you know, in my conference. There's no ill will. I would have no problem you know, telling my defense coordinator, hey, call base plays for the first 10 plays. He wants to play him a series, get him sweaty. And uh, and after that, you know, rock and roll because I got my team ready. But that I could see that happening. Look, if you don't think that that happens, remember a couple years back, and actually I saw it brought up right when preseason started this year, um, the Sean Payton confrontation with, you know, Jim Harbaugh, when he was with the 49ers head coach, where he didn't call him to discuss how they wanted to play the preseason. If you remember, Scott, he blitzed the 49ers quarterback. I think it was Colin Kaepernick. He blitzed him, I I don't know, 12 of the first 15 plays. Remember? I mean, he was getting killed. I mean, he got like five sacks. Greg, Greg, Greg Williams just went after it, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it might yeah, have been Alex gave, Smith, but yeah, it was, I think it that's was. It. You're right. It, it yeah. was it just was order sixty six. Yeah, no, they were they were mad. I mean, look, you Joe Lombardi. You know, he's he's on the Chargers staff now, formerly of the Saints. I mean, there right. are some connections there, and I think for folks listening, Gus isn't insinuating. Let's just say everything we're going to do. Maybe perhaps more of a gentleman's agreement. You know, we might do a little bit of this at yeah, the very beginning, the and then we're going like to put everybody. Yeah. Right, right. Then we're going to kind of yeah. just let the, the the guys trying to make the roster play it out the rest of the way, and 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 let it all be done. And well, so that bo- that both coaches. No, go ahead. I was going to say both coaches and teams, Scott. They, they want to get their team some work, but I promise you, they, they're in similar situations and the Chargers for the first time. You know, with their staff, there's Super Bowl expectations over there. There's AFC championship game expectations over there in um, in L.A. with the Chargers. They they went they went shopping at you know, and even market. They didn't go to the Dollar Tree. I'm not ripping the Dollar Tree. I went there yesterday, but they went out and got high priced free agents signings. They've made no bones about it. They understand how it works now. Justin Herbert is going to get paid when his contract comes up for extension and his rookie deal ends. It's going to be 200 plus million. It's going to be mostly, if not all, guaranteed. You can't field a lot of players at the top of their positions when you're doing that. So they are taking advantage while he's still under rookie contract to go do that and go get players like Khalil Mack and stuff. They, they want to get out of New Orleans healthy and they want to get out of new Orleans for a little work and that's fine. So that's what I mean. It's like, look, you're not game planning. I mean, you want to go out there, get stuff done, which is why I've always said the joint practices are the best because 
Both coaches do sit down. Both coaches decide what drills you're doing. Both coaches decide the situation that they want. They're not maybe telling them the plays that they're going to call because they want their defense to get work, and they may still do it because, yeah, you get a chance to kind of work on that. But at Green Bay, you know, Matt LaFleur said no one-on-ones. He didn't want there to start fights. So they set boundaries. They do select what drills they want. So I think in a game like this, when you see the fact that I think Dennis Allen and the Saints feel that they can uh, be a good team this year and the Chargers have the expectations, I, I don't put that at all out of the realm of more, forget possibility, I think likelihood that at the very least, if he was going to play a guy like Jameis, say, hey, look, you know, give me a series here. I want to see what he can do. Um, just just be kind or, you know, maybe something that nature insinuating. Don't send exotic boots and stuff like that because I don't know what that line's going to be, you know? That's now, the biggest concern, right? If you play Jameis yeah. tonight, normally, you know, you wouldn't want – you got a starting quarterback, you don't need to play him in a bunch of preseason snaps. But considering he hasn't played since last Halloween and he is coming off of an injury and you do have a new play caller and you do have a lot of new pieces, it would be good to get a series or two. But to your point, man, if 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 you're not playing, you know, I doubt you'll see Ramchek. And if if you're if you're missing one, right, right. I mean, that's if you're missing one. Okay, maybe if you miss more than one starter on the O line, ish. Like, what are you doing? You know, even even if it's no blitzes, it's like still that doesn't mean anything. You know, they could still just run right past the guy if no, they're absolutely. not prepared. Yeah, I mean, so. if it, you get beat one on one, you get beat one on one. I mean, it is what it is. But you know, I, I think the thing too. I was going to say the one thing that I guess makes me feel better um, about it and talking with someone yesterday, it, there isn't belief that any of those, because again, you know, you see the report, you know, three offensive linemen didn't practice, you know, I, I'm told it's not serious. They all would play like in a regular season game, which is again, being smart, you know, they're, um, if they're nursing something or, They've been overly cautious, I would say, this year above any player. I would even say more than James. I'd say Ryan Ramchak. Um, they've given him several veteran days off. They've made sure that he didn't work on some days against the Packers. Like They, they want Ryan Ramchak to be as 100% healthy as humanly possible going into – the season. I, I, I think so. My take on it is this: Gus Kattengill, our guest, Saints Pelicans correspondent. Give him a follow on Twitter at gcat underscore one seven. He hosts the Sports Hangover in New Orleans weekdays noon to three on ESPN one hundred point three. I, I think you. I mean, you're, you're right. They want him to be one hundred percent healthy for when the season kicks off September eleventh at Atlanta. But looking at Ramchek, right, first team AP All Pro. He's been he's been he's been great. Right, he got the big contract. I think when you look at the last couple of seasons and what's happened to his body once you get to Thanksgiving, once you get into December, I think some of this is more not it, it's not just about, you know, the kickoff. I think they're thinking for him, look man, we've we kind of played him in the preseason the last few years. We've we've made him go through a good bit of camp. We want him to be healthy when New Year's Day hits. And I think you can't guarantee it. But I think that's what this is right now. They're thinking more long term, and you know, if his body can hold up for four months, then we, uh, we, you know, then 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 maybe we can. 
kind of piece it together when we need to in the postseason if we get there. But they're just thinking more long-term for this than, I think, short-term. I, I, I think that's their approach to Ramchek. And it won't surprise me at all, Gus, if this is every single year with this guy now that, you know, based on where he is in his career and, and where he's going to be moving forward. Like, I, I don't think he's nicked up or dealing with anything serious. I think he's he's going to be doing the Cam Jordan treatment uh, where he doesn't play in the preseason at all, but the only difference is he's going to be doing even less in training camp practices moving forward. And I, I, I think I think this year is just, it's it's going to be the, you know, second verse, same as the first, third verse, same as the first. I think we're seeing this probably for the next seven or eight years as long as he's on the roster. Well, 100%. I mean, look, like I said, they've, they've targeted and made it, to your point, um, he is he is uber important, and I couldn't agree with him more. I mean, it, it he is important. He's, he's the guy you got to make sure is there and anchors it. Because look, man, it's you know our question we threw out there yesterday to our listeners is you know is, is your expectation level the same, higher or lower from the start of camp to now? And I, you know, overwhelmingly everyone said the same. And and then I get I, I think what they're saying for me it's not even close. I think it is higher. Because I didn't get the chance to see what um, that new receiving core would look like. I didn't know. It was my number one question going into camp. I remember when we still had Jordan, uh, our intern, I was, I, we, we argued about it on the air one of his last days. He was like, oh, no, it's running back. And I'm like, running back? I'm like, um, if, you're, if you're worried about the third running back for the New Orleans Saints opposed to anything else, and that's your number one storyline, the Saints are in deep doo-doo because it's going to be Kamara, Mark Ingram, and then everybody else. I mean, it, if we're going into games, you know, and kicking off dependent on whether or not, you know, that third running back can produce for you, you are in trouble. To me, it's Michael Thomas. If he was healthy, it helps Landry, it helps Alave, it helps everybody. And being able to see him at practice, being able to see how he dominated, how strong he was, the fact that I thought he was faster, all of those things to me stood out. And I think that's one of the things that I look at when you go into this camp that that raises my expectation level because I, not, I thought, you know this already, Scott, I thought before that they were going to win the division. Um, now I do think they can be a contending team. The defense is going to be solid, but having seen it, seeing what a Debo looks like this training camp, and I think, again, you and I have had this conversation on our show, maybe even on yours, like he has the potential to eventually maybe even be better than Marshawn Lattimore because I think he's more physical. I think mentally you don't have to worry like you did early on in, in Sean's career. Hey, is he going to bring that intensity with every receiver, every play? You never have to worry about that with the Debo. Every play, every receiver, every rep, that guy is acting in his mind like he's going up against Michael Thomas. And so that's strong. You know, if Tyron Matthew and Marcus May can make plays, you're, you're as good, if not better, perhaps, at safety. We will see. Time will tell when it comes to that. I'm still a little concerned about Tyron's size and him being free and being the last person to make that tackle. Um, based on some of the plays I've seen, but you know, we'll see. And but I think your D line, if Davenport is healthy, we return to team drills this week. If you go to Atlanta and start the season with Davenport, Turner, Cole Granderson, 
Um, you know, you look at obviously Cam Jordan and the rest of that D line, you know, to know Passano. I mean, I, you're going to have a good defense. You're going to have a deep defense too. You've got depth there. And on offense, I don't know how you're guarding them because you, you, you can't just, you know, double team. And if you do, you're already going to have one-on-one matchups. And if you take away another player to try to double somebody, I just think the Saints are going to um, be able to move the football. So my expectations have gone up because I think that for sure, they're absolutely, to me, a 10-win team, if not more. I think 11-12 wins just based on the talent. you know. And I know there's a lot of people that are questioning Jameis. Thankfully, he backed me up on Wednesday because I even told you and other players and there are people about, you know, the concern of interceptions, the concern of this. I'm like, it's a different offense. The 30-pick year, it, it was the first anniversarian. Most quarterbacks in the first year of them throw a ton of picks. Brady struggled with it. Um, and when you have three coordinators – three head coaches in five years, that's a sign that your team isn't good. The franchise isn't good. That's what he went through. He's had three years now of the same offense, stability. He's been with Pete Carmichael. He said Wednesday when he spoke that he feels comfortable with the offense. This year he said he's better than he was the last time he started as the Saints quarterback. And he said it's mainly because I know where my safety valves are. He knows where my releases are, where I need to go with the ball. Uh, Strengths and weaknesses of the different players. And Scott, I think that's just as important as being able to read the defense, knowing, okay, I got Andres Pete, the matador over here, you know, against this guy, he's okay. But when he faces Prather, I better get rid of the football in a half second, you know, depending on the play that we just called, you know, Cesar Ruiz can, he can roll left on a trap play. But uh, if I'm pulling him towards the right uh, or the other way, and he's a lead blocker, man, he's not, maybe not that good. So I, I kind of maybe need to hurry on that. Knowing what those, his O-line can do, I think that was important to hear. But to me, the most important thing was backing up what I believe. And it's the offense is suited for basically a guy who just knows how to read the, def- the offense and, and the defense. And it's why Brees had success. I go back to Brian Baldinger's video in the preseason game where Jameis won the job against the Jags. He had a two-minute breakdown, and he went not only to what Jameis did right, but more specifically what Sean Payton's offense does. And there's always a safety valve. There's always going to be somebody that's one-on-one. It's either read it, and if it's not there, you throw it away and you live another day. Drew said that all the time. And when you look at him on Wednesday saying specifically that, that he knows that this offense, you just got to get the ball to these guys. They are specifying is what I've seen at practice and I've tried to express to listeners. You're not seeing 15 plays out of 20 hunt fly down the field and chunk it. That's the Bucks offense under Winston. That's never been the Saints offense. Even when we aired it out here in New Orleans in the 5,000-yard seasons, Drew called them shots. Yeah, but let's let's I let's dissect that, that for a minute, Gus, because I, I think okay. if you tried to run that same offense, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, I, I, I Jameis, you know, Statistically, and, and I've said this a lot, I think if he is able to consistently convert uh, within 10 yards between the two hash marks, it's going to open everything else up and, and, and the Saints offense will have a good season. That's not something that we've seen from him. Doesn't mean he can't do it. We haven't seen it. 
but it was all based on precision and timing and, you know, Breeze did it arguably better than anyone ever just in terms of what he was asked to do. So I think you have to, uh, P. Carmichael, I think if you come out and you're running the same playbook that you're, or a very similar playbook that you ran with Drew Brees, that's, that's not good. I'm not suggesting go Bruce Arians and just be like, all right, Jameis, whatever. But you gotta, I, I don't think, I don't I, think you should run the Breeze I, offense. Okay. So not only do I disagree with you, but I'm going to give you reasons why. And it's because what I've seen on practice and everyone else, you can ask anyone else that goes to practice, ask them when you have them on, say yes. Just like Nick Underhill, New Orleans Tech football, saying Mike Thomas looks like 2019 Mike Thomas, I'm seeing elements of this offense that used to be here that haven't been here because Drew Brees couldn't do it anymore. And what I keep expressing is, yes, Sean's not the play caller, He's not the final sayer of everything. You still have the man that helped do a lot of those plays, design them, be a part of the game planning. You cannot go to practice, Scott, and not look at what the Saints are doing and literally think that you're seeing something completely different. You're not. Now, I will say to your point, you tailor your offense to the strengths and weaknesses of your quarterback. And Jameis said back in OTAs, and, and I've mentioned this before in your show, there's a sense of more of comfortableness around Jameis that you did not see last year. And I expressed this a ton. I thought one of the one of the worst things that Sean could have done was put the fear of picks or turnovers into Jameis Winston. Now I understood it, right? Just like you, like like you doubted Dennis Allen can. Run a training camp, by the way. Not true. I remember that. That's not so true. I won't let you forget that. No, no, now you you're did, lying. Now you you're making stuff you up. Here you go there. again. That is not true. You came on our show and you're like, my big question is, can he run a training that's camp? Not, like, that's not your. That, all right, stop it. it. That's not I, what I, I said. I will pull the tape. Here's what I. Here's anyway. what I said. We were talking about things yeah. to watch in training yeah. camp, and yeah. I said I yeah. want to see Dennis. Allen. You know how to run a practice. That's not. That's not actually not. I never even said that phrase. But no, if I tell you what, if you can find that tape, I will yeah. send you uh, will. twenty pounds of crackers. That's I what. Will. Okay, go find. If you can find me saying that exact quote, I want to see if he knows how to run a training camp practice because I never. I'll give you twenty pounds of cracklings. You, you, you. No, no. I know how much you you love cracklings, and and if you can find it, I'll give you. I tell you, I'll give you. How about fifty pounds? I'll give you fifty pounds. I I will because it had to be probably the wedding thing. Go ahead, go ahead. There's no way you're going to cut sound of me saying. Uh, I want to see if he can run a training camp practice. You did because no, I, I made fun no, of it. I was like, dude, seriously, like, do you think he not? No, you made you made jokes. Dope? I mean, like, but <laughs> I, you made jokes that I, I I listed him as something I wanted to see yeah. in training camp. How he did it, I didn't say I don't know if he can or I want to see if he can. Well, what is it that you? Well, what is it you wanted to see him do? You said. Can he run a practice? I wanted to see how different the structure. The uh, I wanted to see how different the structure right. of it was than Sean Payton. Right. I never said, I want to see if he can do it. That's ridiculous. Structure of what? Structure of practice. You said it. 50 50 pounds, Gus, if you can find the quote. You're done. You're done. Just start saving up. Look, the point of it, what I'm trying to say is, you have stability and you have continuity and you have familiarity. And what I'm seeing is things that you kind of forgot um, and and you hadn't seen elements of the Saints offense from yesteryear. You brought this up on your show in the past, too, and I, and I gave you credit, I, I think you said 09, 11, 13, when, when the Saints were killing it, that, that a good 
fullback, right? I mean, whether it was Carney that we got on our show and all those, you, you, having a good fullback works. You're seeing more eye formations in play calls than I've ever seen. Um, and that's smart. That's helping Alvin Kamara and his longevity and, and trying to get lead blockers because maybe you don't know about that offensive line, but you're seeing a lot of elements on that. Dude, you are seeing nothing but left and right slants, crossing routes, and then when you do see the deep ball, and see the Hardy or Lave or even Thomas, it's always mostly over the middle, and they're they're using the same. It, it ju- I don't know how else to describe it other than that's what it looked like when it would come out and breezes, boom, ball hits his hand and it's going left, it's going right. I mentioned before that practice or there was a practice where Michael Thomas I think dominated with like ten catches. And he was in the left slot, the right slot, you know, in the sideline on one side, side on another, coming in motion, end around. I mean, they were doing everything you remember the Saints doing. And it's mainly because Jameis Winston can threaten you with the deep ball. Look, the fact that Andy Dalton, arguably most of the time at training camp, looked like the better quarterback because he was accurate in knowing where it goes. This offense is built. If you know what to do with the football you're going to have success. And Scott, Jameis wasn't peppering people on the sideline with missed passes during practice. He didn't hit the scoreboard when he was trying to throw the ball deep. I, I, I think he absolutely can work in this offense because it's about him getting rid of the football and just hitting the guys for yak yards. That's what he said on Wednesday. His job is to get a 5-10 yard, 7 yard slant or quick out or roll out or back shoulder, get it to these guys, and let them go do the work. That's why I don't think you're going to see a high interception season, because if you do, that means he's literally getting picked off on slants. He's getting picked yeah. off on comeback routes. Yeah. He's getting picked off on you know wheel routes. He's getting intercepted on screen passes. And if he's getting picked off on that, Andy Dalton will be your starting quarterback. So I'm just, I guess I'm just, what I've seen at practice, he absolutely can run the, the Drew Brees offense because he has better athletic skills than Drew Brees. Period. Is he, he is he is is he as precise in is he as precise in the short game? Well, again, you also are, you're, you're talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback. A right, B, you're talking right. about a guy that perfected. But you're perf- but you're but you're comparing a guy that no, was in I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing years. it at all. What I'm <laughs> saying is, I'm not suggesting that you have any kind of offense like what he had in Tampa. That was a disaster. I'm saying if you are running the exact same kind of offense that you ran under Breeze and not playing more to his strengths and trying to hide some of the weaknesses, then I think that's a mistake. I think you have to alter some things. I'm not suggesting you change the entire offense or try to go do what he used to do or just throw bombs the whole time. I just don't think you can go out there and run the exact same kind of Sean Payton offense with Drew Brees. I think if you try to do the exact same thing, it's not going to work. What what is that, though? What, What is the Drew Brees offense? Well, first of all, it's ba- it's ba- it's it's all it's all it's all based on timing and precision, and it's all ba- and, and, why, and and a big why, part of it a big part that? of it is based on the shorter game. Do you think Alvin Kamara is going to catch as many passes with Jameis Winston than Drew Brees? Okay, so let, let let let's go to your argument here that he can't do that to an extent, and then I guess you're assuming that they ran some semblance of it last year. 
Uh, I, I don't know. No, what, la, last year, year, last year, I don't think they. Last year, they were dead last. It was awful. I mean, they 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 had okay. all kind of. Well, issues why was last that year. predominantly though? You could have. You didn't have guys that got separation, right? Well, you you had injuries. You didn't have good receivers. Okay. You Everything. didn't have a whole lot. Right. I mean, it was it was a disaster. Okay. So so what are you basing your argument that he can't do it on? I'm not. I'm I'm basing it on the fact that one guy was the best to ever do it, and the, and I don't think that he is. And I think this guy has other strengths that Breeze didn't have. And if you just ignore him right. and don't utilize him at all, I think that's dumb. But even when Drew Drew pushed the ball down the field when he was younger, right? Not as I mean, I mean a little. Let's okay. not get carried away. Okay. Okay, but that's what I'm getting at. That's that's literally what I'm getting at. That in from 06 to 13, Drew's strengths was getting rid of the football quickly, finding the holes in the defense, and he used to say all the time, "Take what you're given," mm-hmm. and and make right decisions. That was his strength. The accuracy of ball placement and things like that that came. If that guy could have thrown and played the way he did here. The Chargers wouldn't have drafted somebody else. So you, you have to also think that a quarterback is going to progress and get better in the offense the more he knows it. And that's what I'm trying to say here. He's now in the third year of this offense. The guy's holding court and teaching the offense. So, and, and I think the thing that I will take from your point that I think you're right on is he can collaborate. I think more with you know, P. Carmichael than he could with Sean Payton. I think last year yes. Sean was like, this is what you're doing, and until you show me, then I'm going to open it up. And we've all talked about this. He said it. Payton has said it. I mean, Trevor Simeon came into that Bucks game and beat him. How? Because they were throwing the football all over the field. He opened up the offense, and he trusted him. I think what you see this year, when I talk about a more comfortable, relaxed Jameis Winston, he mentioned an OTA. He sat with Pete. Pete said, what do you do best? What do you not like? So to your point, there's some truth to that, that you're going to do what he feels comfortable in. But I think what I've seen is elements of the Saints offense that have gone or left because of Drew's diminishing skills, but that look very familiar, if not the exact same, of what you've seen in the past. So what you're you're saying is run a similar offense from 10 years ago. Which I'm not. I'm not even arguing. I'm not necessarily arguing with. I just. I'm just doing. I'm just saying is for clarity reasons. What I'm saying is yes. For clarity, I'm not. What I'm saying is they don't need to run the 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 kind of offense they were running in 17, 18, 19, and 20 when they won a ton of games. I think you have to alter that somewhat. Not not completely. And I I think maybe at the end of the day we're kind of saying the same thing. Saying that because I'm telling you that if you're telling me he has different skills than Drew, some stronger than others. If you're telling me you can't do it because you don't think you can do it based off of timing, that's practice and reps, so he should be able to. If it's about accuracy, if you know where you're going with the football, you should get better. James talked about it on Wednesday. The offseason, the main thing he tried to improve on was accuracy. And, I, I mean, again, his accuracy is going to be judged primarily on the short route passing game. Yeah. I hear you. Look, he missed, you know, Second day of training camp, a wide open Jarvis Landry five yard crossing route. He airmailed him. Now he does that. I will send you whatever it is that you want. But then he also had two practices this week. What to do was on point, on time, accurate, 
delivering the football with Pepper, and it flowed. I, I just, I, I guess, like if James you Winston. see it with my eyes, I'm just telling you, there is no reason you couldn't run whatever offense you think Drew ran at, at whatever point in his career here with Jameis Winston. There's no reason. There's no reason you can't. He has the arm to do that. He has. I mean, it's, I don't, it's, it's I don't, I don't know that he'll have the. the, the, the I, don't, I don't know I don't. that he'll have the accuracy to do it. In, in, uh, well, I, I mean, my, my, that, well, that's like saying, dude, that you know, Tua needs to be like Dan Marino. I mean, I mean, you're comparing a quarterback to a Hall of Famer. I'm comparing <laughs> the exact same. I, I'm comparing. I mean, in the argument, I'm well, suggesting I mean, you I, have to alter the offense a little. I'm not. Again, I'm not saying you need a new offensive system. I don't think you can run the exact same offense you ran in 2018 in 2022. And we can disagree on it. We can disagree on it. Looking forward to finding the cut of you saying Dennis Allen can't run a practice. Yeah, good luck. You're going to waste so much time today. You're going to waste so much time today. Not at all. Last thing before we go. So you you are putting my exact quote as what? Because I want to write it down. My exact quote in your your memory was Dennis Allen – doesn't know how to run you, a practice. You, you said one of your things during the training camp was how he was going to be able to run a training camp. Can he run practice? Can he run yeah, the it, team? It, it, see, there's, there's some, I'm telling we're, we're you. Talking, I'm, no, I'm no, no, no. Stop, stop. We're talking about semantics here. I said, oh, I said, go. I want to see how Dennis Allen mm-hmm. runs training camp. I never said, right. can run he run training No, what look, you mean? said that. That's not the same thing. <laughs> I, it's like saying I want to see I want to see how he does in this offense. Oh, uh, can he throw a football? Like, uh, come on! There's a big difference from one sentence to the next. Do you hear what Scott is doing? Do you hear what Scott is doing? I mean, like, you, <laughs> oh my god! All right, look again. I will find whatever it is that you said, can and then he, we can dissect. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> You're not, I mean, I mean, dude, can he run a training camp practice? That, no, I never if said I that. I didn't think you said that. I wouldn't for the last three weeks on my show constantly reference what you said as one of the just, people that are curious just, if Dennis Allen can even make it to the dome. Can he make that's it to right. the See, field? There, there's the, the, there's, there's the, the, there's the, there's the jokes revving up. Look, I got to let you exactly. run, man. Last question. <laughs> last question. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we got a minute here. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, Rams, Bengals, you got Aaron Donald just swinging a helmet at people. Uh, and apparently it's it's up to the Rams. I mean, no, you realize no, because no one got injured, no one's going to be disciplined from that. You realize that, right? But that visual, which apparently Lyle Collins has, you know, kind of been heated and starting a few, few um, I don't know, tussles, if you will, uh, with the other team at camp. And when you see a visual of – arguably the most athletic, strongest freak in the league, swinging two helmets around. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not in a game, and I know it's not Miles Garrett, but I feel like maybe, you know, you should probably tailor it back. Maybe this this wasn't two teams kind of just pushing each other a little bit. I mean, Adam, Adam Schefter would call it assault. Uh, yet I don't think anything comes out of this. It's just right. is it, the only thing that's going to come out of this is a reminder that, hey, don't bleep with Aaron Donald. Like the difference between it not being in a game and it not involving, you know, any serious injuries is it's just I, I don't I still think the same danger is there, obviously. And yet, um, you know, I don't was he swinging it at someone without their helmet on? I don't know. But someone lost their helmet or two people. 
What what are you with me? Do you think nothing comes from this other than just it's it's almost another feather in Aaron Donald's cap of just being a a guy you don't want to mess with? I can definitely see that happening. Um, at the same time, you know, a lot of times the intent or the possibility of something happening does get people uh, reprimanded, suspended, or things of nature. Right? A lot of times, um, I think isn't that the basic premise of driving under the influence that you could kill someone or you could wreck or you could injure someone, right? I mean, that's basically the premise of it, essentially, is that the reason why it is illegal or dangerous is because of what can happen. And, again, I don't know in what right mind you think you can swing something that heavy towards somebody, whether they have a helmet or not. I mean, we're again, we're all about concussions. We're all about trying to make sure there's player safety. He hits somebody with a helmet on the side of the head, that person's going down. I mean, that he absolutely is. I mean, that, what was it? He was on the, the latest magazine of SI, the most powerful man in the NFL or something, living his best life, and he's shirtless. And the dude looks literally like a, you know, an action hero movie. And if that person doesn't have a helmet on, he's killing him. The possibility exists. But what did McVay said, look, it's guys defending each other. No one got hurt. We're not going to make a bigger deal of it than it is. Not going to point fingers. We're just happy to move on. Because it's his guy. But I promise you if that was the other team, McVay would have Oh, my gosh. Or if one of their guys got hurt, I mean, it would be... It, it would it would be on anyway. I'll let you run, man. Uh, it's always fun chatting, and um, I'll talk to you probably this weekend. Uh, not on the air, but you know because we're friends. Even though if it's a first time listener, they're like, "What are these guys doing?" <laughs> um, well, I was going to ask you. Do you think McVeigh knows how to run a training camp? I, I, I guess so. He won a Super Bowl, I, so I, maybe I, we'll put that to rest. If he gets know. replaced by a new coach, I would be curious how that coach <laughs> is going to be different and how he runs a training camp practice. <laughs> I want to watch it. Okay. I mean, you remember how Mike Dicker okay. ran practices up in Lacrosse, Wisconsin? Good lord! You, you, I mean, uh, you might as well have just been coaching a little high school team. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. How we going, brother? No, it's good stuff, man. Always a pleasure, man. Have a great weekend and enjoy the first full weekend of college football, preseason football, the works, man. Take care, guys. You got it. Appreciate it. That is the man, Gus Cattingale at GCAT underscore one seven. Give him a follow on uh, on. Twitter, that handle. Check out all his stuff. He is a host of the Sports Hangover in New Orleans, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. I never said, can he run a practice? It's blasphemy. Gus is just taking shots. Can't let him get away with that. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. All right. The brawl. Yes, that brawl. What exactly went down? What led to it? Why they want to just move away from it? We'll dig into that. Plus, speaking of strong guys in the NFL, Tyreek Hill says there is a player that he really, really wants to fight. Really, really wants to fight an NFL player because he's a bully. We'll tell you who that is and more. Brad Topham scheduled to join me at 8. Talk a little college football, Major League Baseball. It's all coming your way on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Give me all you got! On ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back in on a Give Me All You Got Friday on the Great Scott Show. Brad Topham set to join me in 11 minutes. 
talk a little college football. Week zero on the schedule. On one hand, they're games that I wouldn't watch under a, on, on a normal Saturday, and yet on the other, they're college football games. And when it's a college football game, there's no preseason. There's no jamboree. When you see it, it counts. It matters. And you can bet on it. Of course, you can also bet on preseason football. But if you're if you're placing bets on preseason games, like the one tonight, I I don't know. You just be careful, right? That's that's uh maybe maybe you're really good at it, but it's preseason football. Just saying. Uh, Tyree Kill of the Miami Dolphins said he wants to fight a player for the Rams. No, he did not say Aaron Donald. He's not crazy. I mean, who would want to do that? Seeing him just swinging around two Bengal helmets felt like I was watching some, like, futuristic movie. If you're watching, like, Mad Max and you get to some boss and it's down in a lair and he just walks out with two helmets, it's like, okay, that's it. It's over. How am I going to get out of this one? No, he said he wants to fight Jalen Ramsey. Now, to be clear... He was doing an interview, and he wasn't like, I want to fight him because I can't stand him or he's a punk. He was asked, you know, is there somebody you'd like to call out in a fight? And he said, I want some of Jalen Ramsey. He said, I just want to go with the bully. Yeah. They've only faced – I think they've played each other three times, um, and that was back when Ramsey was with Jacksonville. And it's been been a little while since they played, but – you know, for Ramsey being as physical as he is and Tyreek being as fast as he is, I don't think these guys are going to be doing, um, you know, post-career fights like Adrian Peterson or even Frank Gore. Though, like, with, you know, not, not with those contracts those guys just signed. Ramsey two years ago and Tyreek Hill recently, four-year extension worth $120 million. But I've always been the kind that says, "Yeah, I don't. I don't think I want to watch two old players duke it out. I'm not. I'm not spending money on that." Tyree Kill and 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 Jalen Ramsey. I might. I might have to think about it. I might have to think about it. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. Three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. Three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. Um, emails. You can email me, scott at espnlafayette.com. This one comes to us from Doug. He says, Scott, can you please comment on the South Carolina story? Uh, absolutely. Let me be careful here. Let me just, you know what? For a story like this, I will just be, I will just, uh, I'll just say exactly what the words are. So you've probably heard by now that South Carolina has to change the name of their live rooster. South Carolina Gamecocks. Their their live rooster was formerly known as Sir Big Spur. And some kind of disagreement that had to do with rooster aesthetics between its like former and current owners. I don't know the backstory of why they have to change it. I have no idea. But a poll was put out by a local newspaper around Columbia. And uh, it asked fans, you know, what should the Brewster's new name be? And the leading vote getter was, and I quote, Cock Commander. Yes, 
That's right. Now, wh- why why would this even be on the poll? Why would this even be a possibility? Back in 2004, during Clemson week at South Carolina, they play every year, they're rivals, a, uh, a page designer at a student paper had a, a, I guess, a caption of a photo of a costume mascot named Cocky, which actually makes sense, right? It was intended to be a joke, but they, but they, they, it's a student newspaper now. Before they were able to put down cocky as a joke, they put down in the colorful caption photo, cock commander. And being that it's a student newspaper and perhaps doesn't go through all the prerequisite things that are necessary through an editor before you publish a paper, they didn't switch it back to cocky. It just went out to the school as cock commander. And so, you know... uh, that's according to Grace Rayner of The Athletic. So it all started as an accident 18 years ago. And, uh, you know, I guess it's just kind of stayed out there in the South Carolina universe for 18 years. And now they're like, wow, we we might have a chance to actually do it. I'm sorry, guys. There's no way they're just going to have a live rooster called Cock Commander. Or maybe they will. I don't know. This is South Carolina. This is South Carolina. But that nomination had 80% of the votes. The next highest vote getter only had 5%. And it was not cocky. It was Cluck Norris. Yeah. Clever, I suppose. But, you know. We got time for one quick phone call before we wrap up the 7 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Well, good morning. Hello, Kyle. Are you are you excited? If I, excited for what exactly? Get to watch Ian Book play quarterback again tonight. Oh God. Oh God. What's the point? I don't. You know what? I don't. I I I, I guess that they're going to do that. He's only taken like three snaps in practice this week. But there's no way they're playing Winston and Andy Dalton for four quarters in the last preseason game. So not only do I think you'll see, you know, some some Ian Book tonight, but you're going to see an Ian Book that hasn't, you know, gotten the reps leading into the game. Is it going to matter? Oh, God. I I know you're being sarcastic, but no, I'm not excited. I just need to get through this. I I just need to get through this last preseason game. And and just put it behind us and, and forget that it ever happened. I've got to tell you, though, Scott, seriously, I'm getting excited about this football team. I, I think it's possible we're looking at a 15-win team. You think the Saints are going 15-2? and two? Is that your prediction, Kyle? Because I want to I jot it down. I'm, I'm going to predict that they're going to go uh, – I mean, no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be realistic and go 13-4. and four. <laughs> Okay. But – but uh, if they go twelve and five, I'll be a little bit disappointed. I'll tell you, I, I I'll be mad at somebody if they only go twelve and five because I think this team has, you know, they definitely a thirteen and four football uh-huh. team. I, I, I think, I, that, I, think uh, I, I think I would sign off on twelve and five. I think I'd be good with that. I'd be good. No, nah, I'm not. No, I, I I think they're better than that. I think that. I mean, realistically, 
when I look at the roster that this Saints team has, and I see the veterans and the coaching and the chemistry and the 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 offensive line, the 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 rejuvenate. I mean, it, let, let me tell you something. The Saints offensive line is going to just be so good this year. I, and I got to credit Jari Evans and uh, the Zach Streets. I I'll mean, say, I think I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, Kyle. If you are right in that prediction, you will be right in your other prediction. I think. I think. It's, I'll be what. If you were right that they have a a great offensive line this year, if if you're right in that prediction, then you're going to be right in your other prediction about thirteen and four. I, I believe but that. I mean, because I, I I think I I, I I have some questions about the O line, but if it is if they are great, they they will be thirteen. Now I'm not predicting thirteen and four. I'm not predicting they're going to be bad, but I I am not as confident yet in that area of the team as you are. Well. <laughs> well, I'll be okay. Well, that's that's why you don't have confidence, then I guess. But I can tell you right now, Confid- I don't have confidence. All, I don't have Penning- confidence in what? Well, well, first of all, Trevor Penning's going to start day one. Uh, that's okay. That's a fact. Uh, Secondly, it's not. I saw something in Andre Andres Pete that I've never seen in Andres Pete. Okay, to me, Andres Pete has always been don't squeeze the charm in Andres, and Andres Peters looks like a totally different player. Small sample size, but looks like a totally different player than I've ever seen him. And Ruiz is finally becoming the player that I knew he could be when they drafted him. But he he totally digressed from what he was when he got there, which tells me that the coaching hasn't been that great on the offensive line. But they they straighten that up. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I mean, Marone coming in there, and and I, I'm going to really give credit to Jari Evans and and uh, Zach Streets. I think that those guys working with that offensive line is what is going to. I mean, they're going to be the strength. They're going to be the strength of that football team if they stay healthy. That starting offensive line. I mean, they have the potential to have have all pros all the way across the whole line. I know it's not going to happen. I know they're not going to get that. But that offensive line is going to be a killer. And their defensive line is the best in football. Mm. And, and I always start there. And I don't see how with that, with that line, that offensive line and defensive line, that that team doesn't win at least 13 football games. Okay. I you got there? you down. No, I'm here. I'm I'm about to wrap up the okay. hour, but I got you down I mean, for all this. Let's, let's face it. They've got the best cornerbacks probably. I'm going to say right now that the Saints have the best pair of cornerbacks in the league. I mean, I don't think that's an overstatement. And when you add in Roby and you add in Sean Johnson and you add in uh, I'm going to tell you, a guy that, that I, I went and looked at his film last night actually put me to sleep, but I was like play after play after play. Here's a guy that's really played well for the New York Giants, I mean, for the Jets, that, you know, unfortunately got lost in the mix because he's on such a bad team. But Marcus May is an extremely good football player. And for Tyron Matthew 
if they can come together as a unit, and I, I have no reason to think that they won't uh, because of their professionalism, because of their leadership, because of everything, their focus and, and, and organization. You got to have the best defensive backfield in the NFL. When I look at the Saints, I see the, the, probably the best corner, one of the better fields. All right, Gal, I know you're high on them. We'll let you run. You've got uh, well, I'm sorry. 16 yeah, I'm sorry days. I'm sorry you with that. Why would, why would, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I See, I'm not going to let you do it. First of all, I'm not upset, but I'm not going to let you make comments to pull me back into the conversation because I'm overdue for a break. I'm not upset at all, and I'm all glad right. you're all excited. All right, ladies. Bye. I know his tricks. He wants me to respond to some accusation that's not true. No, I don't think they'll be 13-4, and four, but Saints are going to have a good season. Really good season, I do. Brad Topham next. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Gimme All You Got Friday. Got started a little bit later this hour. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! As uh, Kyle has begun his, um, I will say his annual uh, very high expectation breakdown on, uh, on the Saints. And he said, I'm sorry that upsets you. He didn't accept me. That's fine. I hope I, I sure hope he's right about the offensive line. Because if he is, then saying 13 and 4 is actually not that crazy. But if, you know, they're middle of the pack or they're okay or they have some issues here and there. And you know, this oh they gotta be healthy. Well, there's 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 no all line of football that every year has every guy healthy for a whole season. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Actually, it happens a little bit every now and then, but usually doesn't happen. I mean, they'll, they'll, it, it, my thing about the Saints O-line this year is more about the depth in some spots than it is in some other areas. <clears throat> and I think it'll be, you know, I think if Hurst is healthy, he'll probably be starting week one and not pinning. Um, I'm glad that Ruiz is having a great training camp. That's good, but I, I want to. I want to see it more in games on game days. I'm just ready for the regular season. We just got to get through this preseason game tonight. But last hour, Gus Cattengill was giving me grief, unwarranted. And I know our next guest is going to give me grief. Brad Topham. You guys know him. Raging Cajun color analyst for baseball. Formerly host of Top's Take. And uh, a guy that, you know, I consider a friend who likes to send me um, texts of, of trash talk and, you know, comments about the show. And I will welcome him into the show here on this Friday morning. Good morning, Top. How are you doing? I'm good. And I'm definitely going to comment on something. I want, you, I want you to realize what you just did a few minutes ago. You made two major faux pas. One, you said I got time for one quick call and you took a call from Kyle. No, you're right. That's right. That's Number one. Second, and I'm going to be careful how I do it. You came off of a story about a bird called the Cock Commander mm-hmm. 
Then you brought Kyle back on on a Friday, a guy who last Friday got a little too excited about the color blue in medicine. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I, you know, I just said watching Michael Thomas play receiver is a surefire cure for ED if you're a Saints fan. I got you. Okay. <laughs> It'll make you come out hawking. Right. It'll make you come out hawking. Right. You'll help. Ah! Ah! God, all right. That's enough. Good Lord. That was last week. Uh, that's Norman he's, laughing. He's excited multiple times. I was, I was, I was you know what? I'll be honest. Uh, Brad, the, both things, I mean, I, I said in a surprise, both things entered my mind right when I took the call. I mean, okay. I, I, both of them. I was like, well, there's no way I'm getting out of here in two minutes. And I was nervous coming off of the cock commander thing. You know, I was. And for someone that's just tuning in, they're like, what are y'all even talking about? I swear it is all related to sports. But no, I. Oh, God. Know, hey, was... I just want to call a game there so I can see Jay's face every when I reference their mascot once an inning. I just, just to see Jay's face. There's in no. The oh, you, know, you know what's crazy, though, is like, I don't, I don't think there's going to be too many people that just that have some pull that won't allow this live mascot to be called Cock Commander. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. However, it kind of already has unofficially. You know what I mean? Like, they can name it yeah. Cluck Norris, or they can name it Clucky or Cocky or whatever. But the South Carolina fan base is only going to call it Cock Commander from here on out. I mean, that's it. It's so like, it's, like this, it's done. It's unofficial, but it's done. I heard this joke once, that, and it, it was referencing um, the Lakers. It said, in every meeting, in every PR meeting, there should be some disaffected 25-year-old on their phone, not paying attention, who chimes in to go, do y'all realize what y'all just said? When, like, for example, the Los Angeles Forum was going to be renamed the Crypto Center in L.A., you're going to name something the Crypt? I mean, somebody should have chimed in. There's got to be somebody in the back of the room going, wait, 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 hold on. Y'all know what y'all are about to do, but anyway, I'll stay off of it. The cock commander. (laughs) We'll we'll move on from that. Um, Your your Braves uh, have won 8 of 10. They're two games back, uh, the top of the NL East. The Mets helped the Yankees, I guess, start winning games again. I don't know. I mean, I you know, I'm just, I, I'm waiting for it. So just go ahead. No, you're still two games up. I mean, y'all threw a parade when you were seven games up two weeks ago. Where was now the parade held? I didn't, I didn't get an invite. Where was the parade? Oh, really? Because you sound like you were ready. You sound like you had the baton out ready to leave Southern Al on the field with the band. The way you were so excited. But what I mean, they won. Okay. They won yeah, eight yeah. of nine. Their only loss was in extra innings. It was. It was. It was a fun time. I what? was enjoying it. But I and even admitted on the air when you were calling and giving, you know, talking about the damn Phillies, and and I said, look, the great, th- the, the, not the great. The thing about being a Mets fan is, on one hand, you're enjoying it because it's a great. They're they're good, and it's fun. It's fun to be good. But on the other hand, it's the Mets, so you're. You're always a little trepidatious and waiting for something bad to happen. It's always in the back of your mind. And, and you know, when things start going, like, not even off the rails, just not as good, you know, like, oh, you know, they lost they lost three of four, and they, they lost to the Yankees. Suddenly it's like, you know, it's not that big a deal to lose three or four in Major League Baseball, and yet, you know, there's a lot more panic from a Mets fan than perhaps there would be from, like, another fan when that happens. That's just a reality. Yeah. And look, some of that's just bad luck. But what's amazing to me in baseball, and I don't know why people can't understand, baseball's a, when you play 162, 
It's like it's like when we talk about offensive lines in football and defensive lines. At a certain point, it's attrition. Who can stay healthy? The teams that stay healthy have the best chance. I mean, Kansas City Chiefs play a Super Bowl and get destroyed because their line had attrition, right? In baseball, it's 162. Who can stay healthy for the long haul? The biggest fear for the Mets is the fear of can Jacob DeGrom stay healthy. If he does, you know how good he is. And the Yankees ran out to this unbelievable, oh, my God. The only team that has sustained the unbelievable, oh, my God, pace all year is the Dodgers. That's it. But it, it blows my mind if you think about it, Scott. The Yankees at one point were like 50 and 20. Some, it was just, it was absolutely ridiculous. And now the Yankees are the are almost the fourth or fifth best record if they were in the NL. You know what I mean? It's the Mets, the Braves, Dodgers way off. St. Louis has almost caught the Yankees. And it's crazy. It started at the trade deadline when they tried to shore up their defense and trade away a pitcher. And they went south, and the Cardinals got the pitcher. And Montgomery is a left-handed pitcher that they traded away. Yeah, like they won, what, 8 of 10? I mean, they're just rolling right now. And the Yankees were they were they they had a really bad stretch, but now they won four in a row, and maybe they're starting to figure it out. But to your point, the Dodgers, I mean, they have they have not hit any kind of wall. They they are plus two seventy five in run differential. Yeah. I mean, no one else yeah. is even in the two hundreds. It is it's 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 almost annoying what they're doing it's it's crazy you do not want to be the wild card you want to you want to win your division so if you face the Dodgers it won't be until a little bit later um and that's you know something I'm certainly keeping a close eye on in the NL East but if you're the Dodgers is anything other than a championship a huge disappointment this year yeah I mean look you won the championship in the bubble and that's only because my Braves choked off a 3-1 lead. The Braves should have won that but, series anyway. I mean, the bubble, what did they play, 60 games that year? Like, come on. Yeah. And then last year, honestly, they lost when they put Scherz, when they kept using their starters as relievers, and you're using a 39-year-old guy, I don't care how good he is, using him to close and bringing him back to start. You, Not you, a good you, idea. Dave, Dave Roberts managing his bullpen has cost them two, two World Series. From pulling pitchers, they shouldn't have lost to the Astros, to the pulling pitchers, and they shouldn't have lost to the Braves. So, honestly, yeah. Okay, so what is it? The um, Seattle Mariners, 116 is the best ever yeah. regular season, yeah. and they lost in the division round. That's the punchline. Okay, how come when people talk, still talk about the best team ever in the NFL, oh, the Miami Dolphins? Well, man, the Patriots went 16-0, and but they lost game, what, 19? So since they lost the Super Bowl, no one talks about that as a great, one of the greatest teams. I, I know that they don't even come up. So the Dodgers, seriously, the Dodgers may challenge that record. Scott, they, dude, they're, they're one game shy of 50 games over 500. If they play 500 baseball the rest of the year, they win like 105. The Dodgers have a serious shot to challenge the all-time wins record. And the bottom line is, if you don't win at all, no one's going to care. Doesn't matter, does it? It's funny, no. you know, uh, it, we, we college football, right? Um, obviously, LSU's team in, in 2019 is in the argument for one of the best ever. Um, from statistical standpoint, too, 
when you look at the schedule in the teams they defeated that year and being 15 and 0 it's it's a really really strong argument i mean it in fact you could if if you told me that's that's your pick i wouldn't even really debate it i'd be like all right that's cool i mean whatever the 2011 lsu team while they didn't have a great offense um look at who they beat how they beat them how dominant they were on defense the entire season and you're talking about highly ranked teams that they are dominating and if they play say Oklahoma State in the championship and not Alabama and if they win that game they they might not be they they might they you could put them on a list of hey man you know, top 5 most dominant teams of all time they went undefeated they won a championship look at who they beat but then they got into the championship game they got crushed they couldn't score a point it was it was a future performance it was bad all the way around if if Oklahoma State, you know, and maybe they don't beat Oklahoma State, but let's say that they get in and they don't lose, you know, on a night, like maybe it was to Iowa State on some last-second kick that was questionable whether it even went in or not, and they play them and they beat them, your view totally different. So the Dodgers, right. to your point, I, I'm kind of with you. I think if when you have that kind of run, it's like you, you have to win it all because if you don't, like they, they, they feel like a team that, you know, if they win it, they're going to celebrate. But there's also going to be like a, whew, almost like this, like let your shoulders down and almost breathe this sigh of relief because if you don't win at all, and every team in in, in every sport can say that's the goal. Yes, I mean anything we want to win a championship. If not, we're disappointed. You and I know that that's true, and also just player coach speak at the same time because there are teams that when their season ends, they're going to be disappointed. But they'll be able to look back at it one day and be like, you know what, we had a really good run. We had a really good year. And there are other teams yeah. that you don't win at all, and it's it will it will eat at them forever. Forever. Sure. It, it will. And I think – and I, I'm telling you something. I talked about them before. I'm honestly – the team I'm most scared of is in a, in a series, especially in a short series, which the Braves may end up, is the Phillies. Dude, Aaron Nola pitched a complete game last night. Aaron Nola is one of those guys – that if he was in golf, he'd be the greatest golfer to never win a major kind of guy. He's so good. And when he's on, he's ridiculous. You saw Wheeler forever with the Mets. Wheeler's been healthy, with the, uh, and he's a strikeout guy. They got two front-end guys. And, Scott, I'll give you this one. The team leader in saves for the Phillies has 12. Do you know the Phillies and the Mets as a team? And you got maybe the best closer in baseball with the Mets. The Mets have one more save opportunity and one more save than the Phillies. The Phillies have nobody with more than 12 saves. That's, Think about that. Yeah. So they, the Phillies have failed to knock down a save as many times as the Mets. The Mets have the best closer in baseball. They don't have a dominant guy. They've got two dominant arms. They're winning, and you got Bryce Harper coming back. He'd been doing it without Harper, and they can hit home runs. You know, so – to me, I'm serious. The Phillies are a dangerous, dangerous team, but the Dodgers, if they don't win at all, it's a flop. And the Yankees, oh my God, they're going to come. The Yankee fans are going to come after the, Brian Cashman, which is crazy. They'll come after Cashman for this team flopping if the, if the Yankees don't get to the World Series. In the AL, you look at wild card teams. Tampa is going to be one, and they're playing really well. And they're 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 a team that. Seems like they're in the postseason a lot, but you know they can never win it all. Uh, Toronto and I guess Seattle. You know, I mean, 
Baltimore, maybe, I, but but it prob- that's probably what. And then in the NL, it's going to be whoever finishes second in the NL East, and then Philly. And I mean, San Diego with what happened with Tatis and some of the bad. Are, are they still in, or do you think a team like Milwaukee could? Is it is it pretty much Atlanta, Philly, San Diego, or New York, Philly, San Diego, and then Tampa, Toronto, Seattle? Is that what we're heading with the with the wild cards here? You know. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you, Scott, Baltimore trades away players. Everybody's throwing their hands up, including me, like, what the hell are they doing? Why are they giving up? You know the old thing where you, you, you're just too young and too stupid to know you don't belong? Uh-huh. Baltimore was a game over 500 at the trade deadline. You trade away really good players. You get futures in return. And they've only been, they've improved their record by five games. It's crazy. It's crazy. They, yeah. I mean, I think, from where they were two months into the season to now is the, the the story in baseball that's least talked about that deserves more that deserves more coverage. Don't you think? Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, dude, at the end of May, that team. I mean, you have to remember they are six games above five hundred, and at the end of May, it was just here comes another bad team, and on. A, you know, so I'm looking at. They were nine games below 500. So in June, July, and August, they have played 14 games above 500. Think about that. And look, I'm telling you, the future is actually brighter for them. Did you notice the new MLB schedule that came out? The format. Yes. Yeah, they released that what yesterday. Uh, yeah, sometime late this week. And, and, and I'm not worried about who. It's the what. No more 19 games per team in division is down to 13, and in, in a very rare moment in baseball, logic prevailed. If you're going to have all these wild cards, it's not fair to have a heavy schedule with a division winner. You know, it's not fair for the NL East to be loaded and play a heavy NL East schedule. So now you only play 13 games against your division. So Baltimore's future means six less games against the Yankees, high payroll, Red Sox, high payroll, Toronto's got a high payroll. Yeah, they get to play a bunch you of know, teams in the Central now. It's going to be great for them. Right. More Central. It's just a more balanced, and honestly, it's fair. You know, it's fair. Think about it. So you go, you play 76 at a 180, a 162. It's almost 50%. Look at football. You play 6 out of 17. It's in the 30 percentile range because you have wild cards. So I, I like it. It's fair. The future's bright. Don't be shocked if they make a run. But here's the thing. If you're being realistic, the teams that actually have a chance to do something, Cardinals are scary. Cardinals will always scare me because a team, they, you know, they, they know baseball. Cardinals are going to be a good wild card team. In a best two out of three, the Phillies are scary. In a seven-game set, I'm not worried. In a three-game set, which is what the first one is, it is scary. But the benefit for me, I guess, as a Braves fan, is the Braves are 42-20 and 20 at home. And if, and if you don't know the new format, it's best two out of three, but the home team gets them all in the first round. So that, it's going to help. Um, I've got to be honest. If Milwaukee makes it, I'm going to be shocked just because they haven't played well. When it, since they traded away Josh Hader, that, that they haven't played well. And then you got teams like Minnesota and the White Sox who their fans will – somehow think they still have a shot when they look at the standings, but based on, you know, how disappointing Minnesota's been uh, in the second half and Chicago's been all season, you know, I just, I can't, I can't take them. I just can't how take about, them serious. And we're, by the way, we haven't even brought them up. 
It's so I'll give you this: not the MLB. Who's the American League Manager of the Year? Baltimore or Cleveland? Because Cleveland traded away all kind of talent. They weren't supposed to be any good. They're gonna win the and division. And all Cleveland's yeah. done is they're nine games above, and they're winning. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's you got to give it to one or the other. It's got to be. Yeah. Um, all right, Brad Topham has been our guest. We're gonna take a quick timeout, Brad. You good for one more segment? Yeah. I want to talk college football with you. Uh, expectations you have for UL and LSU, and uh, if there is any game on a week zero schedule that you would watch, even if you weren't betting on it. Uh, We'll talk about that next. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette. On a Friday, I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, Drop! Scott Prather on the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. We got uh, some college football games. Week zero, as they call it. Uh, there are zero quality games on the schedule. That's a good name for it. But before we dig into that, UL, their season kicks off a week from tomorrow. Their homecoming is early this year, October the 1st. Actually, a great day for a football game. They're hosting South Alabama. You could win the ultimate tailgate party. ESPN Lafayette is teaming up with Fizo's Seafood Steakhouse and Oyster Bar, complete with food, drinks, wait staff. They're going to set it all up for you. 49 of your closest friends will enjoy the game with you because we're going to give you 50 tickets to the game. So Fizo's is going to set it all up. They're going to cook the food. They're going to provide the soft drinks and water, the food, the prime tailgate spot. Only one way to win it, you got to sign up. It's free to sign up to win. Head to ESPNLafayette.com, click on Tailgate for 50 on the What's Hot Bar, or you can go on the ESPN Lafayette app and uh, click on Tailgate for 50 and sign up that way. Brad, um, tailgating, what, what is what is what is tailgating like for you this year now that I know in the past you've kind of been working, you had the gym. So what's tailgating going to look like for you this season now that you're not going to be maybe providing food the way you have for so many tailgates the last couple of years? Uh, number one, I can actually smile and enjoy it and not stress out. Uh, number two, man, honestly, get to have a few drinks and just there's people, you know, you have your, um, I, even at our age, party friends, I guess tailgating would be the time you see them. There's just a certain groups of people that I never see except at, UL type events and when you see them it's like your old friends and you want to talk and catch up so and you get to walk around and just visit with people and it's just so nice for me I, honestly tailgating for me is less about one spot and more about put on a backpack ice chest walk around with my wife and just go see people and visit and say hello and man uh, you know didn't have it two years ago been blocked up probably forever so it, it'll be fun man and honestly Scott this will be my first tailgate season of my life honestly, because I was a high school coach forever. I went from a high school coach to a restaurant, so Saturdays were always full. This would be the first year I've ever got to go out and just go tailgate on Saturdays and have a normal life. It's going to be weird. It's it's a wonderful thing. Reminder, everybody designated the tailgate, but have a blast. And it just means football is here. Yeah, the, the football, yeah. football is here. Now, you had some jamborees last night. You'll have some tonight. Um but with that being said, you got Saints preseason football tonight as well. We'll have the pregame at five, kickoff at seven. Week zero, a good thing yeah. or a bad thing for college football? It's a good thing to say it starts 
unless you have a family member or you're an alumnus. The only reason you're watching it is because you just tell yourself, I love football, I'm watching. No, I, I'm not. I, that, that, the same person that's going to watch these games are going to be the same people that watch all the preseason games. You're just doing it because you're desperate because you love football. This ain't even – they're terrible. The games are terrible. There are 11 games on the schedule. Austin P at Western Kentucky at Hodgson's Industries L.T. Smith Stadium in Bowling Green, Kentucky is where the 2022 college football season will kick off. It'll be on the CBS Sports Network. Now, 30 minutes later, the game that probably will get a lot of eyeballs and will be, I would say, the most watched is Nebraska at Northwestern, and they are playing that one uh, in Dublin. And in the past, Notre Dame's played in that game a lot, but not anymore. Uh, Notre Dame versus Nebraska or Notre Dame versus Northwestern would actually get me slightly more excited. Uh, Idaho State at UNLV, UConn at UCaw State. I don't honestly. You you might have to you would you would have to pay me to watch UConn at Utah State to open up the season. Wyoming at Illinois, um, Duquesne at Florida State, Charlotte at FAU, Florida A and M at North Carolina, North Texas at UTEP, Nevada at New Mexico State, and Vanderbilt at Hawaii. It is on one hand like the, none of those games are any games you would watch if they were on any other weekend any other day in the season. But because it's week zero, people are going to be watching it just a little bit. Here's here's what I would advise. Everyone's always talking about the college athletics and, and realignment and the networks and TV money and all this stuff. How can we not get Fox or CBS or ESPN or someone to get us at least just one, just give us one juicy matchup in conference something one juicy that's all i ask for for week 0 is that too much to ask because i always talk about preseason being a tease man week 0 for college football is a tease yeah and if and honestly if i'm them the answer to your question is no scott because people are going to watch cuz cuz if you put this weekend any other weekend of the year it's a bomb but now i can throw games on tv that mean nothing and hold all of my other games because people are still going to watch. Look, there's a better chance of me watching those high school football showcase games than there is of me watching this. Well, that's where betting comes into play, my friend. <laughs> if anybody's yeah, going to yeah, make yeah, a bet yeah, this no, weekend, take the under in North huh? Texas at UTEP. I think it's 55. These teams played last yeah. year. They scored 37 total points. They ran it 82 times. They punted it 19 times. Not exactly the kind of football that's exciting you, but uh, and, and typically people want to bet the over because it's more fun to root for points. But, yeah, if you're going to throw out a bet, maybe bet the under North Texas UTEP. And if you lose, don't blame me. I'm no expert. I just need to throw that out there so everybody knows. I'm not a betting expert. Yeah. All right. Um, you're good because I'm not. Uh, Thursday, you, got a, a, you, got, you have more college football games next Thursday than you do Saturday. And then you have about as many on Friday, but really it's it's a week from tomorrow. I mean that's when the real week one is really getting started. You've got right. you know you got teams in action. You have some interesting matchups: Oregon at Georgia, Cincinnati at Arkansas. You know those are two thirty games that I I want to check out. Uh, and then you know uh, Utah at Florida. I mean Billy Napier's first game in. They're in the in in the swamp. They're at home, and yet they're playing the number seven team in the country. 
where Utah is only a two and a half. No, they're point... at Utah. What's that? They're at Utah. They're at Utah. Are you sure? Oh, according to ESPN, they are. I I thought I thought they were in Florida, but or maybe maybe it's one of these. Um, you know what? Is it one of those? Is it one of those? Um, like, okay, games? wait. Now this is okay. This is funny. I'm not okay. So. On like the the, the um, on ESPN when you go to the, the schedule, yeah. it says at Utah. But when you open up the game, it says at Ben Hill yeah. Griffin. Stadium, it's, so yeah, it's 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 so, in Gainesville. Yeah. All right, all right. So yeah, it's yeah, in, it's in Gainesville. You're right. It's in Gainesville, but yet Utah is only a two and a half point favorite. But they're ranked seventh, and the other team isn't even ranked. Now I won't be watching that game because it's at six o'clock. Louisiana is kicking off their season at Cajun Field against Southeastern. I uh, enjoyed talking to Coach Desermo Tuesday. I enjoyed talking to Chandler Fields yesterday. Um, LSU plays on on Sunday next week, but let's let's start with the Cajuns. Uh, this is probably the last time you'll be on the air before the season kicks off. What is your expectation for UL this season? Um, I, I'm a little higher, maybe than most. I'm thinking nine and three is legitimate. Um, I think the Cajuns can actually come out to a very hot start. I'm not. Trying to, it's not saying too high of expectations, but Southeastern, Eastern Michigan, Rice, ULM, and Marshall, South Al. So you split Marshall and South Al. That's five and one. So my expectations, honestly, are nine and three, um, a Western Division championship, because the East is loaded compared to the West. And let's see where it goes from there. You know, that to me, here's the thing you cannot, I don't think you can throw on UL secondary this year. Braylon Trahan is playing for the NFL. You have, look, Amos is one of the best athletes on the team, and you put him with Eric Guerra. Billy Napier said it from day one. If Eric Guerra is 5'11 or 6 foot, he has his choice of schools anywhere in America. He, he, he's a great he's got, player. He's a great player. He and he's consistently so been great, and he's consistently been overlooked because of his height. Right. And then you got A.J. Washington running around, who is as good as anybody's third cornerback. So your defensive backfield is solid. And I also think, here's my thing, I'm worried about running back depth. Chris Smith's a home run hitter. And I've listened to your interviews, and it sounds like Kabodi is kind of learning how to not be a bull in a china shop and make the cuts when they're there. And I do like Orphy Jr. Uh, so I think there's some depth there, but I do worry about depth there. But I think the offensive line's front seven, and I say seven counting two backups, I think they're going to be better than people give credit for. My concern there is what happens if you face a big D-line? You know, I got respect for a lot of the guys in the trenches, but Dirty Dave Hudson, as you boy likes to call him, is only about 280, you know? But Rubio and Gilly are beasts. You know, they're big, strong guys. And I think Jax Harrington has a chance to break out this year. I really do. So I'm excited about the front. But my concern is depth this year. And I think that's where the portal with Coach Napier leaving kind of hurt you. You know, you lost some depth on both sides. Um, but, Scott, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I hope, and this you talk about expectation, I want to see Zion William, John Hill Green with fresh legs throughout the game. Only about 30 snaps a game, right? 30 to 40 is what Coach told me on Tuesday. Like that's And listen, let me number. tell you something. As a coach, it's hard. We actually used to worry about it at halftime. We would chart who touched the ball on offense when you have a lot of playmakers to make sure you're not ignoring somebody by checking out of plays or whatever. If 
that guy's snaps are limited through the first two and a half quarters. His, I love his, look, I call, to me, he's a baby Aaron Donald. You know, but, and I don't mean he's Aaron Donald, but you know what I mean. He's undersized for the position to be able to get in the backfield as much as he does. If he's on 30 snaps halfway through the fourth quarter, dude, his, he will get to the quarterback every fourth quarter. I'll, I would go, be willing to put money that God has at least a quarterback, hurry, hit, sack every fourth quarter on third down because he's going to have the foot speed and the legs that are going to be going against offensive linemen who are on snap 60. I just I hope they hold that because I want to see that kid play healthy because he's so fast, Scott, and he's so explosive. I want to see him in the fourth quarter. So I have high expectations, and I, I trust a non-experienced head coach because of who the person is. I trust him. So I'm expecting good, a lot of things. I think that your prediction of maybe 9-3 and three West Division champ, I think that – I don't think that's over the top at all. I mean, it really comes down to and, – and you harped on it, and I've been harping on it – the schedule. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a favorable schedule for you. Absolutely. It, it's a game it, – you look at it today. Look, if they hit a, a rash of injuries at one spot – this could all change. Sure. I get it, and so do you. You know, they get a they get three injuries on the O line. It's it could be a rough season if we're being honest. But if if they stay relatively healthy, you know, let's say relatively like no no team ever has a full bill of health ever in the history of football. It's not. It's never happened. It's never going to happen. It's impossible. But let's just say like a normal year as far as injuries go. If that happens, they absolutely should win the West because of their schedule, because the East is more loaded because of the set right now. I would say maybe they, maybe they'll be underdogs in two games as far as, you know, the betting stuff, you know, side of it goes, right. Um, they're, they're gonna, it may not be the flashiest or it may not be this, uh, but like, let's be honest, Brad, last year, it wasn't the flashiest. I mean, there were seven games. There were one possession games they won, but because, uh, because their head coach had a lot of hype and, and deservedly so, and because of you know a win streak and everything else, it was it was it was celebrated in a lot of ways, and it should have been, and it was. And if they if they win in similar ways this year, it should continue to be celebrated. They got the longest winning streak in the FBS, and I don't know when it's going to come to an end. I think it will come to an end at some point this year, but I, I'm. I think I'm kind of I'm I'm as as our friend Jay Walker likes to say we're fishing out of the same hole, uh, you know, watering hole, referencing you know fishing in Minnesota, which I've never done and never will do, but but we kind of are uh, now as far as LSU goes. I I think you you, you look at O line, you look at quarterback. What are you going to get? I think it's 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 fair to ask those questions, but they're also loaded in some other areas, and Brian Kelly is a really good coach. Now, it's year one, and it's the first time LSU's entered a season unranked since 2000. That was Nick Saban's first year. They were coming off of a losing season. Granted, it was, you know, three and eight, not six and seven. But where, what is your expectation for LSU this season? And then we'll let you run. So the biggest problem I have with LSU is I can argue six and six, seven and five, or I can argue, you know, legit, Eight and four. So what you know, do you? What I, do you so are you one of them? Give me one of them. It's Mississippi State. If LSU wins Mississippi State, I think they're an eight-win team. And I, 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 if they lose that game, I think they're in trouble. You're gonna, you're gonna, they're gonna beat Florida State. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is on that one. 
They're going to beat Southern. Game four is New Mexico. They're going to win that one. In between, you have a game at home against Mississippi State. Mississippi State's going to be better. And I think this coaching staff understands how to cover a crossing route, so I think they can cover it. If they win that game, you go to Auburn 4-0. Between Auburn and Tennessee, I think you can get a split. Now you're 5-1, and and then you hit murderer's row. I think that Mississippi State game is the linchpin because Arkansas is not the pushover they were. And you got Arkansas, Arkansas is good. UAB. Arkansas is good. Yeah, and you're on and you're on the road. Um, and it's right after Alabama. Yeah. You're going to lose to Arkansas. I really believe you're going to lose at Arkansas. I really do. And that's why I think you have to have that Mississippi State game. If you have that Mississippi State game, you feel good. You know how momentum goes. Because L- every LSU football player knows they're going to win three of the first four. It's that game. They, I don't think Florida State's that good. They're going to beat them. And it's that game that's going to swing it. And the number one player you need to pay attention to isn't the quarterback, isn't the running back, isn't any of them. It's Garrett Dillinger, the center. Yeah. He is the number one player you've got to pay attention to. Because LSU's offense has struggled the last two years communicating. That dude at center came out of Stanford, I mean, out of Harvard. But for some reason, he couldn't get the tackles and the guards to know who to block. You know, because it's the center's job to check out. If Dellinger is the, is the, can communicate to where they don't have free runners, and I'm telling you, if you watch LSU football, it was about free runners. It wasn't about talent. It looked like bad coaching. But I'm going to say this. The offensive lineman themselves last year said, I wish we would have had our line coach in spring because the technique is a little different, and we struggled. And he said that after the UCLA game. So I think this year you're in better shape. And you're going to have a freshman left tackle in Campbell who is a, he's going to be a future first round pick. I think the line's going to be okay as long as that center gets, I hate to use the old football term, hat on a hat. If there are no free runners coming free, LSU is going to be a good football team. They're not going to be the LSU standard, but they're going to be good. You need them pretty, just, you got to see it. improvement this year. That, that's, yeah, and, and I think it all starts with Dellinger. I think, yeah. remember you know, them, it's if you're just, them. Their they defense hurt. has He's to right. improve, right? Their defense has to. I mean, they've they allowed over 30 points and a 427 yards a game the last two seasons. You bring in Matt House, who was on Kansas City's staff, the, the chief staff the last couple seasons. He, ha- I mean, to fix it completely, I don't know that it happens in a season. But to say, like, I would be shocked if they don't improve, and that's just because, let's be honest, Brad, I mean, they've been bad the last two years. They have. Look, the defense has got to get better. Offense is going to score. I'm telling you right now, I will put Malik Neighbors from Como, Jack Best from STM, and Kayshawn Booty from Westgate, all local. I'll put those that trio on the field against any trio in America. Their receivers are good. They're going to score some points. But it's the linebackers. And look, Scott, Ali, Ali Gay, back, he's only like his seventh year of football in his life. He's from, he's played, he's from Africa, came to America and played. Him and B.J. Ojolari are studs. Yeah, They can go get the quarterback. And Mason Smith, you have three guys that can flat go get the quarterback. I'm worried about linebacker play, and House was a linebacker coach in the NFL. So for, for me, for, for defense, it's the linebacker play. If they're not good, because they were bad last year, from crossing routes to communication to tackling, LSU's linebackers were non-existent, and that's the part that scares me about them. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Brad Topham has been our guest this hour, talking a little baseball, a little college football as well. Enjoy the tailgating this season, man. I'm glad you get to enjoy yourself. 
and I hope your Nets don't lose first place this weekend. I was good all hour. I had to. You don't, don't get swept, bro. We got the Cardinals. Don't get swept. It's not going to happen. Just saying. It's not going to happen. I mean, first of all, probably not. First of all, I mean, you, you get you get Colorado tonight. I mean, you beat them last night, so you're not you're not. You're not okay. It's 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 fine. Everything's fine. Oh, Everything's fine. Yeah, then you play oh, the wow. Dodgers, and you know things might change a little next week. But you know what? We'll just hey, be in football mode. And you're Kevin Bacon. You're Kevin Bacon. You're Kevin Bacon in Animal House. All is well. All is well. Yeah, an eleven I'll take, game lead. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Bacon is one of the most gifted, talented actors of his generation. I'll, I'll take Kevin. You, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I mean, you could probably do three degrees at this point in his life. He's still putting out great work. I'll take it. Thank you. I'll, you can call me Kevin. He's a talented singer. I'll take Kevin Bacon. That's great. I appreciate uh, oh, it, Brad. Oh, God, you just went too far. <laughs> oh, God. That's like saying Eddie Murphy was a talented singer. Go ahead. I've never, yeah, heard, I've never heard any of the Bacon Brothers stuff for the record. He is a financially successful, successful musician and a great actor. How about that? How did I do? I'm not. No, I'm still not going there. You don't no. think he's a great actor? No, no. You don't think he's a great actor? I don't have a problem with him as an actor, but you also you, you couch that with financially successful singer. I mean, he nah. is. They, they, yeah. they've, nah. made, they've, they've, made the, nah. they've made money. Come on. Yeah, well, the chick that sang Friday made money, so, you know. So you know, Rebecca Black, go. financially successful singer. Good for her. Your boy, pants on the ground, pants on the ground. That dude made money. General on, Larry Platt, I don't, I don't know that General Larry Platt made that much money, honestly. Hey, man, I mean, you your know. boy, yo, hide your wife, hide your kids. He ends up in a movie. Antoine oh, man, Dotson, I, man. Antoine Dotson. Whatever, bro. It's, it's a, you, you know these names. What's You're damn right you? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brad. All right, brother. Have a good Later. one. Later. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. On a Give Me All You Got Friday. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Um, I will talk to you guys Monday. Coach Michael Desmond will be on, as he will be every Monday moving forward, with the exception of Labor Day. We won't have a show. But uh, college football, that just means college football season is starting. It's game week next week. Working on a number of guests, um, a female guest that also happens to be a, a Braves fan. That'll excite Brad. She'll be on the show. Stay tuned for that next week. We'll have some fun. Uh, Gerald Broussard, Coach Desermo, working on a former NFL player coming on as well. It's going to be fun. It's going to be loaded. It's that time of year, everybody. Be safe. If you're driving through, if, if you come up to a street and it's flooded, turn around. Don't be dumb and try to drive through it because even if you're like, oh, I got a big truck. Well, guess what? You might splash water into someone's living room. Just be considerate. Let's help each other out. Hopefully the sun can stay out for a while. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll talk to you Monday. The Dan Patrick Show's next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.